irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Well, I'm not sure where the second half of our introduction went to, but uh, greetings to all of you listening around the world and a warm welcome as we bring you another edition of the Answers for the Family radio show. I'm your host, Alan Cardoza, and if you're a regular listener, thank you for joining us once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home as we bring you Answers for the Family. Now, each week, this show will address issues such as locating your runaway teen, family crisis intervention, building self-esteem, dealing with addictions, and so much more. Now, having over 30 years' experience working with families in crisis, I've been fortunate to meet and work with some of the top professionals in many of the helping fields and skilled authors who are all working to make this world a better place for all of us. Now, with me, once again, as guest co-host is the International Ambassador to Kindness, Gabriella Von Ray, who is constantly making her own positive difference in the lives of others. Now, a little background, which it makes what she has achieved even more remarkable. Gabriella was adopted from a Pakistani orphanage at three years old by a Dutch family. She was raised in Holland, and she learned about bullies and racism, unfortunately, the hard way. But she refused to remain a victim. Instead, she used understanding and empathy to defeat, defeat fear and mistrust. Now she is seen on national TV and speaks at school assemblies and corporate events across the United States, spreading her message. We as a society have dropped the ball of human kindness. Will you help me pick it up? Gabriella, I'm so happy to have you here to join us. But before we get to our topic today, please share with our listeners what's new and exciting in your life. New and exciting. There's always something new and there's always something exciting. One of uh, the first things I can say is that our technician, that is Chris, that's doing the website for the global movement. Yes. It's almost done. Oh, good. We just had a couple of tweaks, but I would say that will be the biggest news is that the Dare to Be Kind global movement website is launching in the next two or three days. That would be great. Now, share... Share, share with our listeners. I know you've told me about it, but share with our listeners how can they get um, how can they get on the site, or even more, what can they do to get involved? Okay, so this is for everyone. We really wanted to create this unique platform where what is really beautiful about it is that you share your stories. And as I jokingly say, there is a grain of truth in this: the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because I believe that through our stories, first of all, we need to be vulnerable to tell them. But through our stories, we will give confidence to other people and they will know that they are not alone. So that's the principle of it. And everyone can do this. And at the moment, please do not go to the website (laughs) yet. (laughs) Um, But go to Facebook page, Dare to be Kind Movement. And uh, just come and ask questions, and we'll be happy to answer them. Yes, and 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 when you get on there, like it so that then they yeah. will they will get the information in a couple of days. They'll get notification to say absolutely the global network is open for everybody. And just so you know that this network, you, you know, for those of you that think, oh, I can't write something, video. Just yeah. hold your iPhone, video it. We accept video images and written text yeah i love it you are always doing something to help bring the world together and and that's just why i love having you here thank you for having me Uh, all right so um our topic today is exploring the role of the heart in human performance and our guest today jeff gollitz has gained vast knowledge and understanding of behavior and both social and emotional learning in the many years he has been with the heart math institute which has become a leader in the development of stress management and education solutions for children and adults. Now, Jeff has spent two decades practicing and teaching the HeartMath system of tools and technology, and his expertise has helped HMI find practical solutions for lowering, uh, for lowering student test anxiety and raising test scores. 
Now, Jeff regularly consults with educational professionals around North America to improve classroom performance and has created a number of educational programs aimed at improving social and emotional learning. Now, among the many educational webinars and and teleseminars he has co-hosted are Opportunities and Pitfalls with Linda Stone, Cultivating Positive Discipline for Children with Jane Nelson, Helping Children Manage Stress with Dr. Timothy Colbert, and The Autism Revolution, Whole Body Strategies for Making Life All It Can Be with Dr. Margaret Herbert. Now, now Jeff is also the author of the College De-Stress Handbooks Using EM Wave Technology with Young Adolescent Children Diagnosed with ADHD, Heart to Heart, Connecting with Your Child, the up and the upcoming teen stress book and heart mass smart brain wise heart program. Jeff, welcome to Answers for the Family. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to chatting over the next uh, short block of time. All right. Well, uh, I'm I'm really glad to have you. I know that we had had it scheduled before. I appreciate you uh, setting aside this time as well. So I think for many of our listeners, I think the best way to start with this is um, share a little bit about what is heart math. Yeah, it's an odd name, heart and math. Usually they're opposites and or contradictions, but actually we've kind of blended them together. We're up, but <clears throat> essentially we're a, we're a nonprofit research and education organization in Northern California. We've been around since 1991. And the, the name heart and math... There's two ways to explain that. One is we do investigate the heart scientifically, mathematically, meaning we look at heart rhythms, and I'll get into more detail of that, how thoughts and emotions affect the what are called uh, heart rate variability or heart rhythms. So there's math around the heart. We can measure that. We have all sorts of equipment and technology. And then I think the second part is is that there's a power to the heart that sometimes gets lost or dismissed or pushed to the side as being quaint or, or Disney-like, but we believe in the power of the heart and that it has a, a really critical influence to play along with our thinking brain. And there's all sorts of neuroscience connections between the heart and brain as well. And I, I would just add uh, just one more piece about this, what is heart math? Um, we're, uh, we do. We teach a lot of people, a uh, wide range of populations: children, parents, students, educators, corporations, hospitals, government agencies, even the military. Self-regulation skills in our fast-paced, uh, uh, very noisy world we live in, and it's helping a lot uh, as we've in many, many studies in decision-making, performance, overall health. So we're 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 been at it now for about 26 years or so. Uh, and we're really enjoying the ride at this point, to be honest with you. I have a question for you. And before my normal question I wanted to ask you is, when I was reading uh, about you in the heart math, my first question was, what is self-regulation? Because I presume it's different for every single person, right? So what do you define as self-regulation? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, well, self-regulation, just most most basic w- uh, way of saying it, is just being, being able to manage our thoughts and our emotions or our, our behavior. Okay. And, and that, that extends to all ages, from young children who are learning impulse control to uh, adults who maybe get angry or impatient or, or, or easily depressed. And it just is impulse-like. It's, it's a habit. So in our in our world where it's just again it's fairly stressful, pretty noisy, we need more self-regulation in the moment when we need it most, if we're going to be productive, have uh, decent communication, and certainly help uh, with children because we're speaking about families here, uh, help them better navigate their their social emotional learning, uh, let alone their their school and family lives with a little more composure. Mm-hmm. We all need a little more composure, a little more calm, or as you said, a little more kindness. <laughs> Those are really important, not peripheral, but we would say really strategic and central qualities we need now in, in, in this particular era. I think we've kind of brought those kind of values, we call them heart values, more to the center of what's important before they were kind of more in the periphery. Uh, 
mm-hmm. is kind of some nice touchy-feely skills. But now more of, of that self-control, compo- composure, more maturity, self-regulation, um, they're just vital skills these days, especially for children. I, I agree totally. But for the listener out there, why is it so important for those children to learn those skills for their development? I'd, I'd like your answer on that. Sure. Well, if you look at brain development mm-hmm. and you look at children uh, from three on upwards, their brains are going through tem- tremendous surges of, of neuronal uh, growth. And they need that as they learn school, they adapt to social lives, they learn decision-making, they they learn from all their mistakes. What we've seen time and time again is unless children are sort of uh, engaged emotionally, unless they can kind of put aside some of the emotions that kind of get in the way, some of the attitudes, some of the behaviors, which is, let's say, easily getting frustrated when they're they're, uh, learning to read, or getting frustrated or even uh, discouraged when they're learning math, or how to get along with people when they maybe feel awkward and socially. So there's an emotion that arises. And if we're not able to tame that emotion, if we don't have parental support or parental modeling or skill sets being taught in schools like social-emotional learning, then we're not going to develop as well. Yeah. And there's a direct connection between emotion and the brain. You can look mm-hmm. at emotion kind of dry, drives your focus. So when you're excited, that's an emotion. There's, an, there's, a, there's a subject or an object of that emotion. When you're discouraged, that's a strong emotion, but there's an object of that emotion. And emotions kind of can get in the way or they can enhance our focus. And it's again, it's like not being a, not being invasive when we're talking about emotions or really getting uh, psychotherapeutic care, but more like just paying attention. Mm-hmm. That emotions teach us a lot about ourselves, and it's we're I think we're at a, a particular period now in 2018, unlike when I was doing this in the mid 90s, where it is more appropriate. It is it is feels safer? There's more of a framework for this kind of science, this kind of psychology to be more easily integrated uh, into our home or our school lives. And self-regulation, which used to be a term only that psychologists would use, (laughs) that's becoming more of a buzzword. It's becoming more central. There's books written on it. I've interviewed uh, plenty of speakers on the subject. So you talk to a school teacher about self-regulation. You talk to a school nurse about self-regulation, and they go, oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Those are kind of important things. In fact, uh, one of the, the areas we're growing in is the field of school nurses. Mm-hmm. That's a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Aren't they treating just physical symptoms of headaches and nausea and flus and all that? And say, yes, they are. But you talk to nurses, they say 90% of the issues that children face when they come to their office are mental health related. There's yep. some kind of stress going on, either in the classroom or at home. So... Again, this is this is trending. This is becoming more popular, uh, and, and I would say a necessity that uh, parents, teachers, they are paying attention to the mental health of children. Uh, recently, I just heard this. Uh, just I'll throw this out. Um, the New York City, and I just know the headline of this. I haven't delved into it much more, but the the excuse me, the state uh, uh, board of education in New York City has mandated mental health training for all kindergarten through 12th grade students. Wow. Why? What's going on in our world Mm -hmm. where such a mandate would be necessary? Well, I I think we could all connect the dots pretty easily. We just live in a more noisy, uh, more stressful world, and kids need that mental health training, that self-regulation training, the ability to calm themselves down if they're going to succeed in this, this world. It's just it's now it's just becoming that much more obvious such that it's even hitting the institutions. Uh, another one more example, if, if you allow me here. We work a lot with uh, the VA, Veterans Administration, a lot of their centers. And uh, through some recent government funding, they are now uh, suggesting, mandating actually to the VA centers that you have eight, a menu of eight choices for alter- alternative health. And of those eight choices, you have to choose four. And they're mm-hmm. Tai Chi, mindfulness, yoga, 
and biofeedback, which is what some of the technology we sell. So you, you, you could see how the world's turning, that the world is opening up much more to these, these previous alternative uh, peripheral types of services or, or, or skill sets. The soft skills now are becoming more mainstream skills. And we have a pulse out with uh, thousands of schools and clinics, let alone many, many families, government agencies, hospitals. And we're just seeing this just tremendous upsurge, uh, this tick uh, upward of the need for these kind of skill sets, these kind of ideas, uh, so people can calm themselves down more. Well, you know, Jeff, all of this conversation in regards to self-regulation took me back to being a child because I can remember my father saying, can you engage your brain before you engage your mouth? So, funny. But I think I like that. you know. But but that was his way of saying you know. Can you self-regulate? Um, right. And you mentioned in regards to the school nurses, and one of the things that's been happening just on this show uh, is we're getting more calls or more emails that are coming in as questions that are coming from the school nurse that are asking our guests you know, th- particular questions because they are talking about the exact same thing that you are. And they're saying that you know, at one time their job was you know, to you know, put Band-Aids on scratched knees and stuff, and they said now they're finding more and more that there is so much more involved in mental health and what their job is. So uh, I think you're, you're right on target in that area. Yeah, I think all of us are, are uh, uh, a lot of us here, at, even at HeartMath, are, are I, I can't say surprised, because I think the stress levels in the world are going up, uh, but the, the speed in which this is happening, the, the integration of all these new ideas and concepts, whether it's mindfulness, neuroscience, look at yoga, yoga's now so mainstream, um, HeartMath now is, is getting out there, it's pretty, pretty well branded in, in a lot of different circles. So they're clearly uh, parents, <clears throat> psychologists, teachers are seeking this stuff out in order to, because they're observing the behaviors in their children. They're seeing something, more anxiety, more depression, and I'm not getting dark or foreboding about that because um, I think there's this t- tremendous upside to this current generation of kids uh, that's remarkable. Uh, if, you, if you've watched any of the real recent TV shows where you see the our lives matter uh, of uh Kids speaking out after the uh, uh, the the Parkland, uh, Florida school shooting. You see remarkable maturity uh, in people speaking on their minds about what's really really important. So it's out there at, at levels that we just have not seen before, and that's only going to become more so. Absolutely. I have a question. Uh, I, I definitely know that students and, and young children really go through a lot of stress, much more than in my generation. But do you also think that this stress is really due to the online and parents being absent? So it's actually a, a, a two-way street because um, my question is one about the children, but what if they learned your method, the children, and the parents don't learn it? What what kind of balance does gi- does that give for that child? Yeah, it's a, it's a complicated question uh, because you're right. Uh, parents are busier. They're working more. Uh, they're homeless. Uh, there's a lot of broken families. Uh, kids are on their devices. Uh, extraordinary levels that that we've never seen before. So it all adds up to a somewhat of a disconnect that kids mm-hmm. feel, maybe from their families maybe from the world around them, They're, they've got too much screen time. I would not just pin it on digital devices. I know that's sort of a, a favorite, uh, a favorite uh, victim, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, for to explain uh, teen and uh, young teen stress. I think it's certainly a factor, it's a huge factor. Um, I was just reading an article in the New York Times that said, oh, don't oversimplify that. There's a lot of other things, which is mm-hmm. the economy, it's the, the, the family lives are not as central as they used to be. It's the disconnect from some of the people at school. It's just the overall noisiness and busyness of the world. So I think it's a, probably a lot of factors okay. that play in. Certainly the digital devices have, have definitely have a, have a factor in doing so. But I, I wouldn't simplify it just to that. I would say there's other factors as well. 
then I mean, you know, what would you say that the the best thing that parents and teachers can do? In other words, how can their role uh, help to develop the the children's self regulation and to quiet some of that noise that's going on around? Because I agree with you, it, it's it's more than just the devices, and you know, and you have a sense of, of negativity, you have a sense of consumer, consumerism that is sort of built around negativity in the sense that if you don't have this, you're you're not enough. So, you right. know, with all of that stuff coming in, and really, I think as parents, you know, it's it's up to us to try to come up with a way to quiet some of that. And the teachers, obviously, are really important, you know, in that area as well. So, what do you think? Some of the things that they can do to help help control it. Yeah, good question. A fundamental question, and not a not a question easily answered. Because if you look at the average parent, their lives are just they're slammed with activity, with responsibilities, uh, it's, there's mostly, uh, you know, all, all the dual families are, are working now, dual parents are working uh, and long hours and they get home and they just doesn't stop there. So I think one is, is making sure you organize some uh, t- family time. Okay. Once or twice a week, or just a good chunk of time. Maybe it's making sure that you have at least one or two meals together is as far-fetched as that may seem in this day and age. What do you mean they're not having <laughs> meals together? But oftentimes they're not. Mm-hmm. So make sure you've got a couple meals of together time together. Maybe watch a movie together. <clears throat> but also do something out on the weekend where you go to a museum or a park or you invite families over. You want that sense of togetherness. So spending some quality of time, and if possible, Put away the digital devices. Get a basket and label it a device uh, basket. And just place them there and try to negotiate that, especially with some of the teens who don't want to be separated from their digital devices because they're, it's part of their identity. have to negotiate that. But it's really, really important that they have that quality time. Secondly, I would say it's really important for all parents to develop some kind of uh, practice where they quiet down their brains and their bodies from the demands of the week. And it could be just making sure they get a good chunk of exercise three or four times a, uh, a week for 30 minutes or more for all the obvious benefits for that, but also taking a brain break, walking in the park, doing what we call heart-focused breathing or quick coherence. And I'll, I'll t- talk a little bit about later that just some simple breathing activities access the power of your heart away from your thinking brain just to renew you with what's most important in your life get your priorities straight even though the 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 economic dollars is is demanding a lot of your work time uh, just managing a household is demanding a lot of your time you've got to find some time for yourself just to find balance and what you're doing inevitably with that is modeling modeling more composure more self-control Maybe some of the behaviors that the children see where your parent might be reactive or impatient or irritated, if parents can just just knock that ratio down from on a 1 to 10 scale, maybe from an 8 or a 9 of intensity, knock it down to a 4 or 5. Mm-hmm. Or when you see your children, and maybe it's after a busy day, you try to be as present as possible in that moment rather than preoccupied with what you have to do, the, the list of things you have to do. Just having even three or four minutes of that, that precious time, just being with your, your child or children, uh, that makes a lot because, you're, again, you're modeling something to kids, what we call energetic communication. You're sort of modeling this transfer of energy, of, of love, of presence, of being composed. So, so valuable. And I can't, I can't underestimate how valuable that is just for the parent to kind of have this ping, this connection to themselves, like, God, this feels good. I'm just letting go of all my preoccupations, concerns, my trials, my tribulations, whatever they may be, and just being in the moment and quieting life down. And this is what we kind of call in HeartMath the big game, really taking those moments out for yourself of what's most precious. That's that relationship to your deeper heart, your deeper self, however you want to frame it, but also with your deeper family. And that's what it comes all down to. And we have to make those choices. They're not going to walk, they're not going to land on our doorstep. So we have to carve this out as a parent, even as an educator, 
to have that priority time, prime time, if you will. And that's, that's the hardest choice to make because everything is, is pulling on you, all the demands of time and responsibilities. Um, so just really, really fundamental. We actually suggest that when parents wake up in the morning, before the day starts, they try to carve out about 15 minutes just being quiet with a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, not looking at your smartphone, and just breathing, settling into yourself. What's most important? Setting a tone for the day. What do you value the most? Just reconnecting with the, the, the most, the deepest parts of you and aligning with those core values. That sets the tone, but it takes a commitment. And you may not be able to do it every day. Maybe it's every other day, or maybe you have a block of time on the weekend just to reconnect with yourself on what's most important. Because otherwise, life is going to overrun us with all the responsibilities and activities and preoccupations. It's just that's just the way it is these days. Yeah, that's for sure. Fun. I, I yeah. sorry to interrupt you. Uh, I I just absolutely love what you said there in the first fifteen minutes. Um, Alan just went into those 15 minutes. I'm just kidding. But he went into, into a real quiet space when you said that. So I just wanted to share that with you. So I have a question because what made me think of that when you were talking about that technique, I was just wondering if if parents listening out there had very small children. I think this would be harder with teens. You think they could do that together? Yes. Now, here, here's a, there's a front door, side door, back door approach, depending on your children developmentally and what your relationship with teens who are wired developmentally to start making more independent uh, decision making, their own will, their own opinions. That's just all part of the developmental process. Okay. And they're going to go, oh, mom, will you stop it? That's not that's you. It's not me. The, the typical answer, maybe it's a 13 year old and above. Um, so for a parent, it's more about the modeling. Okay. In the car ride to school, in the car ride to the store, or dropping it off at a friend's house, just taking some moments to kind of, as you're driving, shut the thinking brain down as best you can. Just breathe, shift your focus from the thinking brain and all the list of things you have to do or even concerns or questions you might have for your child and just shift your focus from the thinking brain down to the center of your chest and breathe in for three or four seconds. Just give yourself a brain break. Breathe through your heart, the center of your chest. Just breathe in for three or four seconds. Breathe out for three or four seconds. And try to sustain that for one, two, three minutes. Just that quiet. Beautiful. And in that quiet, you're connecting to a calmer side of you. You're hopefully connecting to what's most important. And the teen or the younger child, they're paying attention. They may not look like it. They may be on their, their, their tablets or their, their smartphones. But they're kind of paying attention. They're absorbing what we're doing. It's what uh, Maria Montessori called the absorbent child years ago. So they're absorbing energetically in our body language, in our, our tone, what's going on. So just to establish that a couple times a day or actually add higher ratios of that in our interactions, just that quiet. I'm not talking about going into some meditative state, which, would, which could be a little strange and even exclusive or, or separative. But in the midst of real life, waiting in line at the grocery store, calming yourself down when there's a lot of traffic at a long stoplight. You're wondering whether you'll make the stoplight. You have an appointment to make. Modeling that poise, that composure, I can't begin to tell what kind of message that sends to your children, young, old, or somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a more of a side door approach. Mm -hmm. A front door approach, better with children 10 and under or... Um, depending on, on your connectivity with your child and, and how far you can go and your, and your suggestions. But take time, maybe it's before meal, almost like grace. Let's just take 30 seconds here to appreciate the food. Mm -hmm. Put away your smart devices, let's just chill 
for 30 seconds, just breathe through our heart, eyes open, eyes closed, you're not going into some meditative state. Or when you go to bed at night, and you're putting your children to bed, or you're saying your finally farewells, just take a moment of 30 seconds or so. Let's just be quiet about the day. How is our day? What can we appreciate about our day? So you're carving out these moments, whether it's in the car, at the meal table, it's at home, uh, and when you're putting your children to sleep, choosing those quiet moments of appreciation, of um, sanctity, if you will, how important that go is to model uh, a noise a noise free presence as best possible. And w- what's being suggested, and I could actually explain the neuroscience behind this, your brain actually works better. The signals coming from your body are what we call in heart math language more coherent. Mm-hmm. Up from your heart, your, your uh, neural signals from the heart, up the autonomic nervous system, up what's called the vagus nerve. There's more coherent signals rather than being frazzled and trying to make decisions or, or uh, uh, model certain behaviors when, you're, when your brain is frazzled or anything in between. So it just it's really good for for decision making for performance, let alone modeling with your children, let alone reductions in stress. But it is a choice. It's a structure, and you want to make it a habit. And habits, new habits, take typically thirty to sixty days. Okay. So it's something you want to instill into your behavior, your choices. Uh, as much as possible, knowing that life happens and uh, all our plans go amok with things coming out of left field, crises breaking out, what what not. But you try to rebound, be what, what we call reset or reboot in heart math language. When you have those challenges, just kind of breathe through your heart again. It's just kind of resettle yourself. I'm not making it a magical pill, but it's practical. You can do it anytime, place. No one even knows you're doing it. And we've just seen a lot of good results from tens of thousands of parents. Right. We're speaking with a very coherent Jeff Golitz of Heart Math Institute. If any of you want to follow along with us, you can go to www.heartmath.com and you can look at some of the, the things that they are doing now. We're going to take a break, but we will be right back. You're listening to Answers for the Family. Founded over 30 years ago to meet the needs of families in crisis. Westfield has continually focused on resolving issues that negatively impact families and businesses. Our signature therapeutic transportation service helps to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely transported to specialized schools, programs, and treatment centers with unsurpassed experience and success. We are supported by our full-service licensed investigation agency that has legally, professionally, and compassionately located hundreds of runaways and teens. We are experienced and qualified to help, offering solutions which may include referrals to our international network of top professionals in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, psychiatry, and investigations. Simply put, Westfield Adolescent Services and Westfield Investigations are the best solutions when your family is facing a personal crisis. Call 1-800-899-8585, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 1-800-899-8585, or visit our website at westshield.com. Thank you. And we're back. You're listening to Answers for the Family. Our guest today, Jeff Golitz from the HeartMath Institute, and our topic is exploring the role of the heart in human performance. So my question for you, Jeff, is um, my question is, what if a parent wants to teach this, right? Uh, They know your method, but the child is not learning this at school. How often would you do this per day, and would you do it the child and the mom or the child and dad, or do you do this as a family thing? Well, I think you've got to, there's no easy answer for that because a lot of circumstances vary in any family dynamic, let alone the age of the kids, the setting, are there two parents at home or is there one, how busy uh, are the schedules. But I I think, yes, I would do this daily, and I think the parent could do it daily to start it to have some 
firsthand experience of what works, what's, what doesn't, just to reduce some of the levels of stress in their lives. For instance, if I can get very specific here, everybody, most everyone has in their life someone they don't get along well with, somebody that just rubs us the wrong way. We all have that. The person talks too much or they're too loud or they're rude or we don't like their politics, whatever it may be. And we're not going to change someone like that. But just to kind of what we call prep before that person, uh, before you even see that person, you prep, you kind of breathe through your heart, eyes open, eyes closed, through it's a meeting, an interaction, a family gathering, not to change that person, but to have more composure. So there's very specific moments that parents can grab where they need to calm themselves down, even like highway traffic that can drive you crazy or feel like it's a complete waste of time. Now, back to your question with, with, with your children, again, start with the modeling and then invite appropriately, but some kids will do it right away. So you can actually take like 30 seconds, like grace. Let's just take 30 seconds to appreciate our food here. And 30 seconds is not very long. And you kind of establish a new habit that may or may not go well with some of the people. The kids are anxious and eager, but 30 seconds goes a long way. At nighttime, when you are saying goodnight to your children, let's say, how was your day? How's it going? Let's just take 30 seconds just to pre come up with a couple things we appreciate about our day and just give some quiet reflection time and then share a couple things, even though there were some things that didn't go well. Everybody can find one or two things they appreciate. Uh, also in the car, you can actually just talk out loud. You know, I'm having a little difficulty right now with the traffic. I'm feeling this impatience. Would you just breathe with me for a couple minutes here? Just through my heart, it helps calm me down. So actually speak uh, your own authentic need for that, if, if that makes sense. But also, I think just with you, with your children, if your child's upset and they come home uh, or something's happened and they're, they're, they're uh, discouraged or angry, and sometimes you can't talk to them right away because you have to wait for them to sort of, if there's a meltdown in particular, for them to calm down. But maybe in a few minutes, um, just take, let's just take a moment here to calm down. Let's just breathe some, some, some calmness. Let's just do it on the couch here, cause it, and, and maybe we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. So you want to kind of shift. You can't talk to them when they're in an emotional turmoil. That's just they're in that kind of their fight or flight reactive brain, and they're not going to be able to hear you. So we have to kind of let that biochemistry play out through their body. But once they're settled, you might have a conversation. And if that situation repeats itself again, or you anticipate it repeating itself again, you might just say, "Let's just take a minute to prep." Just like Olympic athletes, have you ever watched the Olympics, whether it's the summer or winter Olympics? Mm -hmm. You might say like a diver on the swimming pool, on the, on the diving board, rather. And you see them. What are they doing in that 30 seconds of preparation there? They're breathing. As they're, they're breathing. Yep. They're, they're visualizing they the best outcome. They're trying to be composed when the nerves are really getting the best of them. And you see this with singers, you see with athletes. We, we actually work with a lot of professional athletes who use our, some of our technology in advance of big events. So prep is huge because we're all being called upon, uh, children and adults alike, to be our best. And sometimes we have to raise our performance in ways that are uncomfortable, that stretch us past our normal capacity. So a lot is being asked of us, and that can make us have some performance anxiety. So just to prep, and we've done a lot with test anxiety, where you, you just take some two or three minutes. You have to be meaningful about it, not multitasking and looking at your, your smartphone. Otherwise, <laughs> just you, you compromise the, the depth of quality. But it's very, very doable, and it's simple to do anytime, any place. And it's now it's sort of in, more in our lexicon. It's in our language. Again, there's like every mainstream America now seems to have a yoga center. The, the, the explosion of, of mindfulness mm -hmm. that's been on Time Magazine, uh, Newsweek. So clearly the need is being uh, perceived by large-scale media, mainstream media. Is, 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 there's a need for that, and it's cropping up for a reason, because we all need to lower our stress to find more composure. So I, I, I keep re repeating myself on, the, on this particular theme, 
Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying there's a readiness to participate more. Has to be exper- some experimentation on the parents' part. Front door, side door, back door, and always modeling is a safe choice. But then inviting your child to participate where appropriate, whether it's at the dinner table, whether it's a, a quick chat chat on the on the day. Let's just take 30 seconds just to get quiet in ourselves and reflect how our day went, or appreciation at night, or prepping before uh, some some challenging events. And you're going to have the typical, oh, mom. But that goes with the territory. Uh, that's their, that's mm-hmm. part of their developmental growth of having their own voice. And there's going to be resistance uh, to anything new. I've seen it happen uh, multiple times. I even have to see it happen inside myself. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think if you if you take if you try this out um, numerous times, I think you're going to you're going to find a sweet spot. And if nothing else, you're doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. We do have some really cool technology called the Inner Balance that goes with uh, either an iPhone or uh, or an Android phone, and so you you clip an ear uh, clip to your ear, your earlobe, and it measures mm-hmm. what's called heart rate variability. And basically, the more coherent, the more composed you are, the heart rhythms go from chaotic to more ordered. Like like peaks and valleys from mm-hmm. this more of this chaotic, uh, almost like an earthquake seismograph, and it and it just it's it's feedback and it's immediate and it's real and it's scientific and it kind of guides you in the process, and so there's just there's some fun options out there, either what I've said or the technology, or there's even some some new stuff we have. There's a it's wonderful new program we have. It's a digital program called Smart Brain Wise Heart. Okay. Smart Brain Wise Heart. And it's a whole course online, and it's just really user-friendly. I know some parents and their 9-year-olds and 10-year-olds and 11-year-olds are kind of learning it together uh, on the side, maybe once or twice a week. Uh, it doesn't take a long 8 to 10 minutes, whatever. So there's just tools and strategies out there. And again, it's, just, it, it's, it's, it's peaking a lot more uh, in the readiness and perceived value of these kind of strategies, not just HeartMath, but many, many different organizations. So uh, we're, we're kind of encouraged. So, so how how do you use um, this this heart rhythm monitor with the earlobe? My, my question would be: so you you do you wait till the child calms down, or do you do it to show the child that the emotions are? Um, I would say, um, you know, because you're trying to teach the child that it's very emotional, right? <laughs> And that it needs to breathe to mm-hmm. calm down. Would you do it? Uh, well, obviously you don't do it when they're having a temper tantrum. But l- let's say a child is really upset because it's been bullied at school, um, right. and 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 it can't get out of its words. It's it's emotional. Would you, when the emotions die down a little bit, is that when? Yeah, you... it, it, no, it's a good it's a good question. It's and it's a it's a nuanced question you're asking. Yeah. Um, and again, it's really hard to talk to a child who is mm-hmm. discouraged or having a meltdown or really frustrated. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to be able to hear you very well, other than just comfort and hearing them out, mm-hmm. uh, rather than trying to fix them in the moment. Just it, this is kind of common sense, even though a parent wants to rescue the, the, their child from suffering. Um, part of that is just being calm and present and supportive, and then when the uh, there's a little more emotional uh, calm, then that might be a good time to try it out. But I would just ask them some questions or, or make sure they feel heard. And then and only then when I would, would introduce the technology. But again, I would, I would get more proactive about it and say, here's something you can do that might be kind of fun for you, but you have to practice it a couple times a week. Maybe you only do it for five minutes. And it's called uh, the inner balance. And it's all about being more calm, being more composed, especially in the face of, let's say, bullying or struggle, academic struggles uh, or learning math or not getting along with a teacher, any number of things that kind of trigger a stress response. So you want to kind of be ahead of the curve a little bit, not just in the moment when there's been a, a crisis or a difficulty, but prepare in advance. You're building mm-hmm. a skill set in the child before they even get to those moments, ideally. Okay. 
and the, the children's desire to do so will partly be dependent on what they see as a need. And if they're suffering, they're going to actually have more motivation. But even if a child's playing sports, whether it's soccer or baseball or basketball, uh, we, we again, we, we're pretty big. We're getting bigger in the athletic world, and, and athletes are really strategical and smart about how they use it. So I would just introduce it after you've got uh, had a few sessions and um, just say, let's try this out. This is something you might like. Maybe do it a couple times a week. And it monitors your progress. It's pretty simple. It's kind of engaging. It's technology. So mm-hmm. kids are going to kind of like that. And it's not you as a parent telling them what to do or what to say, but just kind of you're inviting them to participate. And it just sets an example. When a child sees that they can literally shift the heart rhythms from chaotic, which is normal as we go about our, our, our day, our, our very busy, sometimes chaotic day, where you're shifting the heart rhythms to these beautiful peaks and valleys, and that's just largely built on respiration and focus, deeper breathing. And they see that, and you've just they've just modeled to themselves how they can be calm. And it's, they can, when they're not on the device, they can actually practice that simple breathing technique anywhere, any place. And they're, they're going to want to do it, especially if they're getting stressed out. And they'll have their own creative applications and again, it's stealthy. No one even knows you're doing it. You're doing it with your eyes open, well, maybe eyes closed, depending on the circumstance. Yeah. Jeff, so it's, Jeff what, yeah. what I was going to say, what I see it as is being empowering. Because I think if you can, yes. if you can convince them that this is something that, oh, that will teach you how to take control. When, mm-hmm. when, when you feel out of control, when these emotions have you feeling to where you, you're losing control, this is a way for you to be empowered, for you to be able to take control. And so, so I think that's a great way for them to, uh, to, to have it posed to them that way because we Absolutely. all, all want to be more empowered. And I know that from the training of what we have for our own employees, when they're working with somebody who is at a high level of anxiety, we tell them to look for and wait for therapeutic rapport that if somebody is escalating we can only stay escalated for a certain point and we're going to run out of energy so wait for that point because when you do run out of energy there is a level of therapeutic rapport but it's also us knowing again without being hooked up to something knowing that that person has now come into an area their heart rate is down they're going to be more suggestible that's the time to then start talking about rational things because, uh, like you said before, it, it, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. You're not going to get anywhere when they're at the height of, of any sort of escalation. Now, we're running short of time, so I want to get in a couple of questions that have come in from listeners. And this one reads, we have an unusual family. I have two grown children, and my second wife has two very young children. The gap is 15 years, and the difference between what my kids were like and the emotional state of hers is vast. They emit uh, a, an anxious state whenever they do not have their heads buried in their electronics. Uh, <laughs> it, says, it says, I am looking forward to hearing about how your work can be applied to uh, everyday families who have the same concern as we do. And this is from John in Pennsylvania. Fantastic question, John, and universal. Uh, not just the, the, sep- the age separation between the kids, so you have a mixed family together but also kids who are anxious who go to their, their devices to find some relief and actually stimulation, some, some desire for connectivity. And again, it's, I would begin with the modeling. Modeling that composure, that calm first, which mm-hmm. is hard to do in, for a parent that's busy, but it, but it, is, it is very doable. Um, and then secondly, I would invite the kids away from the devices and I'd even get them outside. Uh, nature is a great healer. Yep. Get them moving, because uh, we know that uh, physical activity movement actually uh, sends different signals to the brain than let's say when you're sedentary and sitting. So whether it's walking in a park, being with your pets, doing something as a family, going to the beach, river, or a museum, mm-hmm. just doing, carving out those events that are renewing and refreshing um, and then, of course, I would try to bring in some of those, those strategies, but it's, it's a little bit experimental, uh, is just to bring some primetime connectivity to your child. 
when are those times? There's probably six or seven that you can, uh, John can think of and, and write on a piece of paper. When are six or seven times that, uh, that we can have some moments of kindness, of composure, of calm, away from the devices that we want to use, that I want to create in, as a dynamic in my family structure? You could even go do volunteer at a soup kitchen or go to a Goodwill and just try to help them organize stuff. Even acts of service where you get outside yourself, that's empowering. So exercise, sports, doing activities, having some quiet moments. And again, make a list of six or seven times you're going to have those moments of connectivity away from the devices. Fantastic. And you'll find some strategies there that you can come up with from your own life where you can go, oh, wow, we can change the dynamic here. Maybe not radically, but enough that you can bring in some soothingness. All right. Uh, to, and yeah. for, well, I was going to say, and, and for everybody out there, um, and again, uh, if, if you go to www.heartmath.com, you can get a lot of these strategies as well. Dot .org. Dot .org. Dot I org. would say .org. Oh, thank you. We're the nonprofit. Okay. Yeah, That's dot .org. Right. Okay, so heartmath.org. Jeff, thank you so much. I wish that we had more time. Uh, I just really want to acknowledge you and thank you for everything that you're doing. Um, keep up the good work, and for everybody out there. Um, you know, again, if you go to the site, there is so much more that you can learn, but this is something that we can all learn from, and and it values us at all levels as far as as a family. Thank you, Jeff. Awesome. All right. Really thank like you for that. having me, and good work. What a great venue for, uh, for families. So thank you for your service. You're very welcome. And for everybody out there, please be sure to put us on your calendar and tune in next Monday when our guest will be Kate Lund, author of Bounce. Help your child build resilience and thrive in school, sports, and life. And please visit our archives of past interviews at AnswersForTheFamily.com or you can subscribe through iTunes or Stitcher. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. It will help us reach more people and be greatly appreciated. And they, <laughs> thanks, everyone. I want to say something about the reviews. It's really we often don't want to leave them because we think it's silly. But honest, when you leave one, believe it or not, when we go to Facebook or any of those website podcasts, we kind of look how many likes, how many stars there are. So it does matter. So leave a little review for Alan Cardoza because he's a terrific host. Thank and you. I can say this. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And I want to let everybody know that uh, Gabriella will be with us again next week. So uh, listen in, be good human beings, and be with us again next week on Answers for the Family. You're listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Cardoza right here on L.A. Talk Radio. 